Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to the discovery of illumination, whatever that might mean. Provocative though we may become, it is all an inter- all in our earnest, open-minded attempt at becoming enlightened. Enlightened. Interesting word. What does that really mean? What does it mean to be enlightened? According to Herman S. in his wonderful book, Siddhartha, enlightenment is not something one learns from another. It is something one learns by experiencing it for themselves. In his classic work, Siddhartha, the idea of noble uh, of a noble teacher with all the right answers is shown to fall short of being enlightened. In other words, learning of enlightenment from a truly enlightened teacher is not being enlightened. Well, then what does enlightenment include? Does it include fantastic relationships? How about money and prosperity or health and wellness? I mean, if a person is truly enlightened, do they get sick? Are truly enlightened people poor or rich? We all have heard stories of the beggar that comes to our door seeking refuge of one kind or another and turns out to be a manifestation of God. Should we expect it to be enlightened, we must be poor. After all, it is written that it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for the laden camel to pass through the proverbial eye of the needle. And in case you didn't know this, the eye of the needle is a reference to a very low gate entering Bethlehem, where a laden camel would often be unloaded before entering, since even on its knees it was too high to pass through the gate. So is money the root of all evil, or is it the wrong use of money? Or, well, take your best guess. I mean, all of this concern about money. Isn't money just a form of stored energy? You work today, and the product of your labor is stored in the money you receive as payment? How can this be evil? Many people are surprised to learn that they actually have self-destructive, self-sabotaging ideas about money. And for that matter a whole host of other matters, often conflated with this idea of enlightenment. Our guest today will help us with all of this, but first, a couple of other matters, points of business. Now, every week I read a couple of your letters as our way of paying homage to the importance you play in helping us to shape our show and make it even better in every way. Last week, I spent a few moments on the nature of our expectation regarding answers. Indeed, this was the subject of my newsletter as well as part of our radio conversation. So if you have not subscribed to my free newsletter, please do so. You can do that by going to eldentaylor.com. Now, it seems to me that many people today expect there to be an answer for everything. And I believe that this expectation will not only disappoint them, but it confuses, even confounds the way they think. Simone wrote, quote, your musings and provocative questions are very engaging and almost addictive. Yes, there are many people who claim to have answers for almost everything. Nothing is sacred from the overabundance of answers. There are even answers for those questions that haven't been asked yet. My observation is that almost all of these answers are not really answers at all. They are merely opinions. To be an answer, the reply should be a solution to a problem or a correct response. On the other hand, an opinion is a belief or conclusion not substantiated by positive knowledge or proof. Therefore, anyone purporting to have the ear of God is only giving their opinion, since they have no proof of their fast track to a divine conduit. I suppose it's part of the human condition that we yearn for someone other than ourselves to answer our questions. We have been conditioned to believe that our own inner knowing is faulty. 
we wait for someone or something bigger, better, and grander than ourselves to provide those answers that lie within each of us. If only we could learn to truly listen. Nicely put, Simone. Thank you. Deborah wrote, Eldon, thank you for sharing your thoughts on answering. Now I can let go of needing to have an answer for everything. My son and I have difficult relationship. I do not have all the answers. An important lesson this. Thank you so much for your CD on anger. My son has been able to let go of road rage and anger as a default mechanism. I've been able to have some peace of mind after using your forgiving and letting go. We are doing better now thanks to your work. Well, thank you, Deborah. And now the forgiving program she's speaking about is free. It's absolutely free to all of you there. It's on my website, and I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Robert wrote, I agree with your thoughts about our conditioning to necessarily have an answer to all of life's questions, and if you don't have one, then make one up. You are right when you say that there are no answers to all of life's questions, and you are wrong also. The reason being that the answer may not be available in the same plane of consciousness or awareness that the particular individual lives and operates in. That's an interesting point, Robert, and I thank you. But, you know, some questions like uh, how high is up, I don't think any plane really has an answer for that, but I appreciate your point of view. Laurie wrote, Hi, Eldon, I'm reading your book. What does that mean? Which prompted me to receive your newsletter. I have only just discovered you and your writing in the past month. I love the questions you have in your mind. I felt such kindredness to you with that. Wow, I thought someone else who has questions and questions and more questions about life. I feel so much better about it. I am not the only one. What I loved reading in your news was the expectation that was put upon us to always have an answer. So I have also put this expectation on myself. It is freeing to find out that I don't have to have the answers. I can just enjoy the question. Being that I live in rural Alberta, where mind-body, let alone mind-stuff, is still fairly foreign, it is wonderful to feel that I am a seeker of answers or lover of questions and that I am not alone. I've only started the book. I'm in Chapter 4, and I laughed as I would read your questions with each chapter, and then it was left as that. Or when you wrote about being at the right place and what does or could that mean or not mean, love it. I feel so much better to know I can have a question and it's okay to have it answered or not. That there is freedom in just enjoying the question. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Well, thank you, Laurie. And if any of you still do not have a copy of my book, what does that mean? Take a look at the special offer on the book that's on my website. Now, Connie wrote, thank you for your laugh, for the laugh. I'm a long-time listener to Hay House. I end up listening to your show on Archive, and I love your seeker mentality. I love your show. How you ask these great questions of the information provided is definitely thought-provoking. I hear something, accept it as their truth, see how it fits and feels for me, and either accept or deny it for myself. You ponder and ask great questions. The truth about all of us is we are all sparks of the divine, and as such can never be truly separated, though we live in an illusion of separation. This rang true for me when I heard it, and so it is. Blessings to you, my fellow seeker and inspiration for independent thought, even when using the one consciousness. I think of the one mind as all these signals, and sometimes we just tune into the wrong channel. Or we get the right channel, but it's in the wrong language for us at the time. I need people like you to help me tune in. Well, thank you, Connie, and everyone else for your letters. I love to hear your perspective. I wish we had time to read all of them on the air, 
But I want you to know I do read them all, and I invite you to opine by leaving your comments on my site, eldentaylor.com, or by joining me on Facebook. Now, I also received several letters about our free MP3 program, so let me provide the instruction to obtain, to obtain them one more time. All you need to do is go to eldentaylor.com, use the left-hand navigation pane, and choose Free Programs. This will lead you to our free intertalk programs on MP3, including the forgiveness program I mentioned earlier. They're yours uh, for the downloading. These are not samples. They're the real deal. This is the patented and scientifically proven, and I mean scientifically, number of double-blind studies run by independent researchers, leading institutions such as Stanford, even governments like Mexico and Germany, uh, proven effective programs that have aided millions around the globe. Okay, now to today's subject, wealth and the millionaire mindset. What are your thoughts on prosperity? If you're not making enough money, do you know why? Is it possible that you have a subconscious belief that is holding you back from experiencing success? Do you think that money and spirituality fail one another? Unlike the laden camel, do you choose to sacrifice your potential earning power in the name of your spiritual advancement? I mean, perhaps you have learned to game the system so you don't need to work. Here in Washington State, as in most states, employers pay unemployment costs, unemployment insurance, it's called. As an employer, I have seen people work the minimum they need to in order to draw full employment and deliberately set out to be released so they can get the money without the work. Indeed, I know of one person that makes it very clear she does not want a job. She is happy going about her spiritual inquiries, has been doing so for nearly two years, attending her meetings and so forth while drawing unemployment. This cost employers thousands, millions of dollars. Is this a good spiritual practice? On the dole, as they say in England, an entitlement, you know? I'm entitled to this attitude. Is this a manifestation of enlightenment? Just yesterday, while having lunch with some friends, the subject of America is the great experiment. The great experiment, as set out in books known as the Masters of the Far East, came up. In those texts, America is the beacon to the world of freedom, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The question is, what will the people do when given this freedom? Freedom to create, freedom to imagine, freedom to worship, freedom to make as much of their life as they'd like to, and so forth. Will they give their freedom up for some entitlement? Two weeks ago on this show, Dr. David Hawkins, author of Power vs. Force, tested while on the air the new massive health care bill. His conclusion, it was not a matter for good, but rather a matter of force. Still, it provides for a whole new level of entitlements. Are we giving away the power of choice, our freedom in favor of the take-care-of-me mentality? If so... Will we then fail the great American test? Is it possible to embrace entitlement and still become wealthy? A millionaire, as our guest today, is here to tell us how to do. Well, I know what I think about all of this, but we want your thoughts, questions, and ideas as well. You can join us by calling. All right, let's get to today's guest. I want you to know I really like this man's book. I really like this man's attitude. He's Mr. T. Harv Eckers, the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and the international bestseller, Speed Wealth. 
He is a founder and president of Peak Potentials Training, the largest success training company in the world. Originally set up to help people understand the relationships of attitude and perception to wealth creation, his company, Peak Potentials Training, has since become a premier success training company with courses and seminars and camps on all aspects of life, including health, relationships, personal development, business, and financial success. Using the principles he teaches, Ecker went from zero to millionaire in only two and a half years, and he's here to share his secrets today with us. And I want I want to quote one thing out of his book before I formally bring him to the show, and that's this. One of his wealth principles states something I love and I want you to think on. Money will only make you more of what you already are. T. Harv Ecker, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Hey, it's amazing to be here. You sound fantastic. Oh, well, well, thank you. Now, listen, you know, we always start our guests with a hot seat. We get the hot seat out of the way right away. And, and here comes your hot seat. You heard the setup piece. What are your thoughts on this entitlement mentality? I mean, r- right now, around half of America, they say 47% to be precise, pays absolutely no federal tax. Does this penalize those who go after their fortunes? Well, I mean, you're talking to the right guy now. <laughs> I mean, I do seminars, large seminars in, in Asia, 5,000 people at a shot, 4,000 in, in England and in, in Malaysia. I just did one last weekend here in Vancouver. And, um, you know, I, I try to stay off the pulpit as much as I possibly can and stick to my knitting. But when someone gets me started, boy, oh, boy, that's a topic that I'm going to have to hit on. Reality is is that I think it's, it's uh, for the most part, it's very, very disturbing in what's happening, not only with uh, the entire entitlement element, but the but the whole bashing of the rich people mentality that's going on right now. I feel that mostly what's happening is that there's a, a culture that uh, rich and and having money is bad, and basically being broke is good. Being one of the masses is good. Being one of the elite is bad. And and I certainly can understand where this came from. I mean, you had uh, about you know thirty or forty bankers who, um, you know, were extremely greedy and probably still are, uh, that entire mentality is probably um, a way on the other side of the balance scale, isn't it? As, but then you have what's happened is this whole backlash towards these bankers and the, the fact that they put us into the, this, the mess that we're in, supposedly. And, uh, and then all of a sudden now you have 30 or 40 people who've taken down the entire culture of, of wealth and success. And, you know, 94% of all people that have ever gotten rich, made, self-made millionaires, have done so in their own business, not being a banker. They've worked really, really hard. They've provided incredible value for people. They've had loyal customers. They've given jobs to thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, not millions of people. And here they are being bashed for being successful. So that entire mentality, I think, is going to really, really hurt us in the end because now where do people go? They, because of the economy, and many people have lost their hopes, they've lost their dreams, and now they're being told, well, you shouldn't have had them in the first place. <laughs> you know? And where, what do you go for? You know, the fact is that you know, I think people become better people by going for a target that's higher than them. And that's one of the things that I talk about with wealth, is that a, when, when wealth is the target, when having a lot of money, million or millions, uh, is one of your one of your targets, not the only target, but one of your goals. You have to become a bigger, better, stronger person to attain that. Just as you would in order to attain a gold medal in the Olympics, you've got to be a bigger, better, stronger, whatever that is. And so 
you can't be a uh, you know highly successful person, in my opinion, and be broke at the same time. It just, those two don't go together because uh, money is a part of everything else. My feeling I, very I simple is I, I think, I think I mean, you got my drift there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do, and, and, and I concur totally, except that perhaps I might... I think that the banking financing, the uh, fiasco was a, a tipping point. I, I believe that there was a, an accumulating uh, feeling that's been building for some time that essentially um, has to do with the nature of the more we're given, the more we want. And maybe maybe our generation, because we wanted to provide our children with more than what we had, maybe we in part created that. But your sentiments are right on point, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But but that leads me to my next question. Then, well, hold on, Leah. Can I address that one for one second? Because it'll be absolutely to the same point if you don't mind. Since we're on a show and discussing this, you know, the more yeah. we're given, the more we want is is true in some facts and for some people for sure. But the less we have, the less we can give. You know, the, That's the, right. the point is very simple. At least in my seminars, what I find is that when people have plenty for themselves, at least they're more apt to give to others. And that's one of the main reasons, I believe, to, to become highly successful on a financial basis. You know, it doesn't help a lot of people being broke. You can give them your prayers, and you can give them your thoughts, and you can give them your love, but that's about it. Uh, in the yeah. end, that doesn't buy food, and it doesn't buy medicine, and it doesn't buy shelter. So unfortunately yeah. or fortunately, the way it is, as is it, you know, you need funds, money to buy those things. I was at a recent, um, when I was involved in the Haitian um, uh, earthquake, um, I was in, involved in a, in, a, in a fundraiser that was with the Red Cross, and I was speaking with the actual director of the Red Cross for the entire region. And, uh, you know, she was telling me where all the money goes. And, it, you know, the money goes for these specific things. It goes for food. It goes for, it goes for flights. It goes for, uh, you know, uh, medicines. It goes, and these are stored in massive uh, um, uh, warehouses ready for the next disaster in the, in the region. Uh, and, you know, we said, well, isn't it too bad? It all costs money. She says, well, what do you think? It's going to rain down from the sky? You know, we think it's just, well, if it's just the medicine and food and it's something, a disaster, I mean, it should just come from the sky and be, be given somehow for free from everybody. But, it, you know, if that could work like that, then great. But it doesn't work like that. So when yeah. someone isn't, doesn't have any money, what can they give to those, you know, relief funds? And what can they give when those disasters occur? And, and how can they help? So for our students... One of the biggest motivators for people, and for people listening right now on your show, my friends, one of the biggest motivators I believe you could or should have if you want to, to create wealth, is for what you can contribute to others. I believe this, that if right. you have the, the wherewithal to page, get rich, if you have the wherewithal the to get on rich. Page 151 of Harv Ecker's book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, he spells out in the wealth files how you should use your money. 10% into your long-term savings for spending account. 10% into your education account, 50% into your necessities account, 10% into your give account. Well, you know, if you just barely get by, you don't have a give account, do you, Mr. Ecker? Oh, well, that's the whole point. You know, one of the things, and again, I don't mean, because uh, I know we're on a kind of a, a more of a spiritual bent here, I don't mean to be uh, in any way out of sorts, but in our courses, not, you know, we, re- we really go from a, a for prosperity consciousness and one of the courses we teach, actually, the attempt is to, the goal is in the system is to create a million dollars a year in earnings. I'm not going to say a millionaire. I said a million dollars a year in earnings for yourself. And one of the main reasons is so you can give away at least $100,000 a year to helping other people. And here's the cool thing. 
when you're in a million dollars, you're probably able to give much more than 10% because how much more do you really need for yourself? That is. That is very, very cool. All right. You know, I am intrigued, and, of course, I've worked in this area all my life. Um, thinking is indeed destiny. But you have a couple of simple questions that you use to determine where someone is anchored by way of their wealth and success. Uh, please share a couple of those questions and how you developed them. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to, but are you talking about possibly... Uh, well, what I say is this. I, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm kind of uh, well-known for is, is making the following statement. The statement is this. Give me five minutes with anyone, and I can predict my finan- your financial future for the rest of your life. How? By identifying something called your money blueprint. So, Eldon, each of us has a personal money blueprint already ingrained in our subconscious mind, and it is this blueprint more than anything and everything else that will determine your financial life. So you can be the best business person, the best marketer, the best negotiator, the best salesperson. You can be the best at your job. You can know everything about real estate, everything about stocks and bonds and other financial instruments. But if your subconscious, and this is right up your alley, if your subconscious money blueprint isn't preset for a high level of success, you will never amass a large amount of money. And if by chance you do, you'll somehow manage to lose it. Uh, can I give you the obvious example? Yeah, please. Well, you, I think everybody has heard of a gentleman by the name of Donald Trump, right? Here's this multi-billionaire who loses everything and more, and two years later he's got it all back again more. On the other side of the coin, we've all heard the stories of the lottery winners, haven't we? They win five, ten, fifty, a hundred million dollars. Five years later, virtually half of them are right back to where they started. Why? Because their money blueprint is set for low. The thing that most people don't understand, Eldon, is that we were all taught, I repeat, taught how to do money, and most of us were taught by people who either didn't have a lot of money or that had a lot of uh, emotional issues or negative or non-supportive habits around money, their ways of thinking and being automatically imprinted in us and become our ways of thinking and being, and we don't even know why we make the decisions we make but we make them the best we can, but we don't understand that all you can think about is what's in the files of your mind anyway. So how do those files get in there? And most importantly, how do you change them? And those are a couple of subjects that we want to be sure and cover when we get Absolutely. back to the break. But we, but we have a break coming up on us. It gives us less than, well, about one minute. So I'm going to encourage everybody, uh, while we're at break, uh, go to Harv Ecker's website. Go to eldentaylor.com for all the links, one or the other. Harv, what is your website? Uh, millionairemind.com. 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 Okay. Take a look. Uh, by the way, be sure to go to EldonTaylor.com and take a look at these free tickets, this uh, special offer opportunity that is sitting there. This guy is the real deal. And uh, uh, the point that he's making right now is a point I have seen over and over and over from elite athletes to Fortune 500 executives. It all comes down to, I like the way he said it, you cannot read from files that you don't have in your mind. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. My guest today is Harv Ecker, and we are discussing his New York Times number one best-selling book, Secrets of the Millionaire Minds. a great book, great read. You want to get it. You can follow the links under Provocative Enlightenment on EldonTaylor.com to his seminars, websites, tickets, and more. We'll be right back after these words from some of our friends. Every day, every moment, we face choices. 
Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions, now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. All right. If you just joined us, I'm Eldon Taylor, and my guest today is T. Harv Ecker, and we're discussing Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And just before we went to break, uh, Mr. Ecker explained to us that in a metaphor that I really like, you can't retrieve out of your mind, your mind files, as he put it, what isn't written in those mind files. Most of us have got material that is written, and as Harv was explaining, the way we handle money, we were trained to handle money accordingly. So what is this blueprint, Harv? Yeah, it's the way you think, feel, and act around money. So your, your thoughts, as we all know, lead to feelings, lead to actions, and that all leads to your results. So most people go with that uh, process of manifestation. Uh, the issue is, where's your thoughts come from? You know, how did you, why do you think the way you think? Why, why do you think differently than other people, especially if you're married to them, of course, right? So, and right. the answer to that, is, as, as you know, is, is your programming. You know, what, what, what went into your, as we said earlier, your mind files is, is what can come out of them. Uh, so the question then becomes, well, how did you get programmed, especially around money? There's three primary ways that we're programmed, we're conditioned. A verbal programming, what you heard. Um, modeling what you saw and specific incidents, what occurred for you. And in money, they're all very, very viable. So most people, as we know, on the verbal side, we all heard things like, you know, money's root of all evil and rich people are greedy and you have to work hard to make money. And, of course, you can't be rich and spiritual and money doesn't buy happiness and there's never enough and, and the proverbial, we can't afford it. And so, you know, we've all heard that type of thing. And very few people, unfortunately 
I've ever heard the things when they were growing up around things like, oh, money's fantastic. It can help a lot of people. You can get wonderful things and, and share them with the world. And that the, I don't know who, how right. my parents have, have ingrained that. And, and our society certainly didn't ingrain that. So we all heard negative things around money. And it almost paints that anyone who wants it is bad somehow, right? It's pretty crazy, right. unfortunately. And so um, we get, we get here's the problem, is that every single statement, as you know, Eldon, you're the professional at this, all the statements you heard when you were young, every one of those is, is lodged in your subconscious mind and part of the blueprint and decision-making that is running your financial life. And again, you don't even know why you're making the decisions you make. You make the best decisions you can, but you don't know what the information, where that came from, that is running those decisions. As we said earlier, all you can think is all that's in there. So the verbal program is, is critical. The big one that a lot of people don't realize also is the modeling. And this is where it's really, really interesting because what were your parents or guardians like in the arena of money when you were growing up? So did one or both of them manage money well, or did they mismanage it? Were they spenders or were they savers? Like you were talking about earlier, were they on the dole? You know, would they try to kind of, you know, were they the entitled people that didn't really want to work for money? You know, that kind of thing. Or did they work super hard? Uh, were they shrewd investors or non-investors? Did, did money come fairly easily in your household, or, or was it always a struggle? And, of course, the big one is, was money a source of joy in your home, too? <laughs> For most people, I don't think so. Why is all this important? Because, you know, we've heard the saying, monkey see, monkey do. And, and, you know, humans aren't far behind. So generally, we all tend to do exactly uh, like, we'll be exactly like one uh, or a combination of both of our parents in the arena of money, unless 11% of us approximately go exactly the opposite route. So, so why would someone go the opposite route? Well, it just depends on how angry you were at them or the situation. And, and that's where the incidents come in, isn't it, Eldon? It's, it could be yes, one situation. You're out and you're, you know, you're, you're you know, nine years old or eight years old and you, you're in the toy store and, and you're getting something for, for, for Christmas for somebody else and you say, oh, oh mom, can I, can I have that you know, truck or something if it's a guy? And, and she says, no, no, we can't get that. Go, well, please, I really, really want that truck. I love the red truck. No, no, we can't afford it. We can't get it. Here. No, we, no, honey, we don't have the money for that. You know, this is not again. You don't be asking for everything. We don't have money for everything. You know, we don't have the money. And you, and you make a decision right there. You go, that's it. You know, when, 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 I, when I grow up, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have everything I want. I'm going to have all the red trucks that I really want. And you make a decision that when you grow up, you're going to be rich. And that's all fine and dandy. And you know what? A lot of people do become rich because they are angry with what happened before their situation. And so that's their motivation is, is, is anger. You know, and so they get rich because of it. But the problem, Eldon, as, as we know from this type of, of work here on the consciousness level, is you can be rich and you don't have to be happy being rich, unfortunately. You're not, may, you may, may not be both. And you know, what's the use of being rich if you're not happy, right? It's just a, it's a, it's a, uh, an attempt to be happier. And so that's right. That that anti-authoritarian, that that anger, that can do a lot of things for you, but it will not make you happy. Right. And, and here's what it does, Eldon. This is the critical piece for people who are semi-conscious or attempting to be who are listening to this. And that is that if you're motivated, you have to know your motivations around money. And this is so critical. This is one of the things we do in our three-day millionaire mind intensive. That's so critical for people to come. And that is. 
that if you know your motivations, you know what drives you, you know what can you know what the result is going to be. But if if your motivation for money unconsciously comes from anger, then guess what happens? Anger and money become what linked. That's right. So now the more you're going for, the more your your intent, and the more your money you get, the more what you get angry because they're angry. linked. All right, which is a huge and drag. Of course, with the anger the paranoia, the exactly. fear of losing, da 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 da. Right, and, that's the, and then the second, the second non-supportive motivation for money is fear. And people go, "Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, be successful based in fear." I go, "Well, is part of the reason you want to be successful security?" And they go, "Well, of course, I want to be secure." Well, if you want to be secure, that means you don't feel overly secure, right? So that's right. that's based in fear. Now, here's the big problem: is that Fear uh, isn't the uh, issue, but the problem is it becomes the habit, right? And we're creatures of habit, so all of a sudden, you know, you're fearful because you you have a lot of fear because you don't have enough money. Fear, 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 fear. But then what happens when you get money? Well, you got the habit of fear, so now what are you afraid of? Now you're afraid of losing your money, right? And so it doesn't still doesn't make you happy. Uh, the third motivation that is very, very non-supportive for people around money, and this is, again, another third of the people have this, and that is, Proving oneself, so I make my money to prove myself. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm big enough. I can make it. You know, whatever it is, I'm good enough for dad. I'm good enough for mom. Whatever, and, and, and proving myself in society. You know, look at my car. Look at this. It's not showing up. It's just proving yourself. And he, you say, well, I just want to prove myself to myself. What's the difference? <laughs> the provingness of itself, that entire process, is not an overly supportive and enlightened process, isn't it? I got to prove myself. That's not. That's not your higher self talking to myself. Nope. That's still your lower self talking. You know, people in my courses think they're going to get out of it because they're proving themselves to themselves instead of to their dad. Okay, it's still the same issue. So those three elements: uh, anger, uh, fear, and proving oneself are disastrous motivations for success. And yet, it's where, in my experience, with over a million uh, students, ninety-five percent of every single person who is attempting to create success comes from those three disastrous roots. So the question now becomes: Well, Harv, where where could I come from? Where's another possibility? And the two possibilities that are very very powerful to come from: one is joy. Joy. I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do, and therefore I love doing it, and I do it well, and therefore I receive I receive rewards for it. And part of those rewards are financial. Thank you very much. The second area that one people a people can choose to come from is purpose. From is service. You know, why am I here on this earth? What am I supposed to be doing? How can I serve? How can I help? And, and if you come from your purpose and you can make uh, substantial income from there, that is a beautiful, beautiful balance. That's a beautiful um, uh, dance between those two. And we have a program, Mission of Millions, actually, that, that does that, that shows people how do you discover your true purpose and then how do you, you know, monetize it? How do you help people and, and, you know, and create wealth for yourself, too, at the same time? And that is a, a huge uh, element to be able to come from your purpose and get rich doing so. What a beautiful blessing that would be. I love it. I love it. So, do, so does everybody in our chat room. Let's, uh, let's take a couple of questions. Uh, we'll, we'll go first to the telephone lines, take a phone call, then we'll jump. I've got several out of the chat room. Uh, Debbie from Boise, Idaho, you have a question for Harvecker. Debbie? Are you there? They uh, had some hypnosis done uh, yesterday to help with this pre-programming that I've been 
exposed to all of my life. And, um, but then I, you know, I feel really good, start doing the things I need to do, and then I have a big stack of bills, and then I just kind of crash again. So where, where, do I, where do I start with the bills? Just, you know? Pay them. <laughs> no, listen, no, no, no. What, you're, you're crashing because of your thinking process. Okay, those are just pieces of paper. And what they mean is what they mean is that you need to owe, you owe us some money because you bought something or, or from us. So right. you know okay. the idea that you put you put a negative spin on those bills. Now, do do most people put a negative spin? Well, of course, you know we're not crazy, right? Most people do because of our cultured way of thinking. But the reality is that you bought something, and let's say on the it was the other side of the coin, Debbie. Let's say, are you in business? Do you have a job or anything like that? Um, actually, I've been um, laid off, but in a way, I. I've been really excited about it because I work with some health products that I um, okay. But do you doing. sell anything? So I'm kind of just getting that going. Right. Do you? What, what's the health? So do you sell a, do you sell a health really, product? Um, difficult right now. Okay. So right. I get it. So let's say you sell something, Debbie. You sell something you to somebody. You own one of your products, and they uh, say, "I'll pay you on Tuesday for that." And then, and then you send them the bill, and and do you want them to look at that bill and go? Oh my God! Look at this bill. That Debbie sent me this bill. I can't believe it. Yes, I really liked it and enjoyed the product she gave me, but I can't believe she sent me this bill. Well, you know that would be you go. Why would you look negatively on my bill? I I sent you this bill in in you know because you bought and took my product and I have to pay for it. So you know the fact that you're looking negatively on the bills is not very helpful. So first of all, number one, I wouldn't look negatively on the bills because that's what's making you crash. The bills aren't making you crash, right, Elvin? The, the way you're that's looking right. at the bills is making you crash. Right? Okay, okay. So, so that's number one. Number two. the people and get things worked out. And Number two, here's the thing. Debbie, there's always reasons that people aren't doing as well as they'd like to be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to use Debbie as an example, if that's okay, Elvin, because this is a good example for everybody. But if you don't mind me you know, calling it the way I see it, I don't, I don't mean it's true. I just mean the way I see it. Is it okay to coach you on this? Go Debbie? right ahead. Do, do so. Right. Let, let me say this real quickly. People are always asking me, Harv, how, how do I make more money? How do I make more money? I go, first of all, that is a terrible question. You don't make money because the only people who make money work at the Mint. They make money. <laughs> the rest of us have to what? Earn money. Well, so the much better question is, how do I earn money, and how do I earn a lot more money? Well, let's go right back to the base of this. The definition of an entrepreneur or a person in a business or a person in any job is simply a person, listen closely, everybody, a person who solves problems for people at a profit or for pay. I hope you're writing that down. A person who solves what? Problems for people at a profit or for pay. That's whether you're in a business or a job or anything, right? So what are you? You are a what? Problem solver. That's how you earn money. Therefore, people who are not earning money are not solving what? Problems for people, okay? So I wouldn't be too thrilled about that. The reality is is that if you want to earn more money, what you need to do is solve more what? Problems for people. If you, therefore, want to earn more money, then you need to do what? Solve more problems for more people. So, so far, Debbie, what you're telling me is that you don't have a vehicle right now for solving problems for people. And even when you had a job and got laid off, you know, you, 
you get paid based on the amount of problems and responsibility you can handle there, and that's why they pay you bigger or smaller dollars. So here you are, and you're between things, and you're wondering why you're not have, well, you don't have any money. And the reason is because right now, Debbie and everyone else who's in this same category, you're not solving any problem. You're not adding a lot of value to people's lives right now in the process of solving problems for them that they are willing to pay for. That's the only reason people pay for anything, it's because it solves a bit of a problem for them. So, Debbie, what you need to do is say, number one, I need a vehicle. I need a way of solving problems for people. I need a way that I believe in and that I can buy in that I'm good at and that I can uh, go out there and say, if people have this problem, I can help you. And then the more you can help them, the more you can don't just talk about it, but can deliver that solution, the more you'll be paid. And right now you are missing that vehicle. Yeah, I actually, I just found it, so I'm well, then, very okay, excited. That's, great. I, that's why I got hypnotized yesterday, because well, listen, I do have a pattern. That's great. I want you, that's uh, good to get hypnotized, Debbie. Get hypnotized and go to our course and do all that, but in the end, you've got to deliver that solution to people. So okay. instead of spending a lot of time in the chair getting hypnotized, that's a great thing. In addition to that, right after, go out and take the product and go offer it to somebody, get paid for it, and start paying your bills. How's that? That sounds wonderful. Okay. Thanks for the call, Debbie. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I, mean, I don't need to be up in their people's faces, but that's the way I am. <laughs> that's cool. You know, that's I, really I, cool. I love your definition. I just absolutely love the way you 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 set that one up. Let's uh, let's take another call. We have Jennifer in Fresno, California. Jennifer, you have a question for Mr. Ecker. Yeah, I do. Thanks for thanks for taking my call. This is great. The timing of this show is really perfect for me because only a couple days ago I was evaluating uh, my finances and, and why it seems that each month it keeps getting less and less and less to do the things that I need to do. And I was uh, going through the process of having a garage sale and clearing out things, and, and I realized that I didn't really, I don't have a good budget for almost anything or a lot of things in my life, like my time, my energy, the projects that I, I tackle. Um, and in, if, for a perfect example, I was trying to clean out the stuff, and I got all excited about the garage sale and kept cleaning out and cleaning out. And I over, overran my time to make dinner, and I, so I'm trying to do two things at once. And it clicked to me that that's probably a good part of my finances, is I'm not, I'm not budgeting. I don't have this symbolic concept of what a budget means, time, energy, projects, and finances. And I'm wondering if you can just talk, you know, is that something you come across? Do you have some advice for yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a really good question, Jennifer. Here's the reality is that, you know, everything is one thing, energy, and we all agree on that pretty well. We all seem to, to feel that way. And so everything is one thing. So, you know, energy needs to be managed. That's all. If you can manage your energy, you're, you've got an X amount of energy going on all around you. You need to manage it into certain arenas if you want to make those priorities. So the first thing is, you know, determining what your priorities are. And, and you know, you sound like a person who is very in the moment. You know, you've got the garage sale, you're really into it, da-da-da, you got that, you're really into it, and you lose track of time, which is, you yeah. know, uh, the way it is for a lot of people. But then, you know, you've got to determine your priorities up front. And so if financial success is one of your priorities, then you're going to need to manage the energy of money around financial success. And so how do you manage money? Well, 99% of the people have no clue on how to manage money. In fact, the big problem for most of them is that they hate managing money. <laughs> they don't like it. They feel, they feel strangled. They feel their freedom is being lost, all that kind of thing. 
in our program, Million Mind Intensive, we, t- we give a very, very, very specific and powerful way for everyone to manage money that is so simple a five-year-old could do it. And it really has to do with just dividing up your income, whatever income that is. If your income is a dollar, fine. If it's a thousand dollars, fine. If it's a million dollars, fine. You divide it up in the same way. But the reality is, is that, is that what most people do is they lump all of their money into one category, one, one account or something like that. And right. then they start trying to live from there. The problem is, is that you have different things that you want your money to do. You want your money to, you want some money for necessities. You want some money for, hey, for some savings for a house that you might be saving for or for a, a, a vacation you might be saving for or for college or something. You want some money for, you know, personal development and, and, and courses and things like that. You want some money to be able to give. You want some money for, to just play and things like that. So you want to be able to utilize these different elements and, and determine uh, what they are and, and how much money is going to go into each one and a predetermined structure. You want to take the, thinking process out of the management process. The management process is simply mathematical. When you have $1,000, you divide it up this particular way, and then there's money for everything. And the problem with most people is, as I said, they lump everything into one account. That's like, in, you know, I think everyone has ever seen on TV or something, baseball or something. Well, they, everyone knows there's like nine players spread around the field. And the reason they're spread around the field is because they all have a different job. So, you know, what most people do is they have nine players in their money life. They have nine players on third base. And then there's nobody on first or second or shortstop. There's nobody in the field. There's nobody catching. Well, how could you win the game with all nine players on third base? Maybe you need to spread out the players called different accounts for different reasons in my life. And that's what we teach at, at the course, and, at, and, and part of it, of course, along with the entire money blueprint. But you need rich people know how to manage their money if they ever want to stay rich. My friends, one thing is getting rich. A whole other world is staying rich, right? One thing is earning money. A whole other world is keeping money. And that's a big problem for a lot of people who are on the spiritual path. They, you know, they see money as energy, so it came in and it goes out. It comes in and it goes out. That's great, but there's got to be a little bit that remains with you, and that whatever remains, it needs to be managed properly. Well, and and that you you hit the, you know the with uh, the proverbial nail on the head because as stored energy, the more you retain, the more it works for you, the more it builds for you because it is your energy, and you're reinvesting it as energy to do just that. Jennifer, thank you very much for your call. Out of the chat room, Mod Girl, or Sunflower, I'm sorry, I've got Sunflower here first. She asks, how do we change our view of money wealth when, uh, like Harv mentioned, my mindset and background is that of not having enough and coming from a less than wealthy childhood? How do we do that, Harv? That's very, very simple. I mean, I wish I could say, I wish I could say, well, do this and do that, and it's all going to be cured forever, okay? Um, I wish I could even say, read my books. You could sit in Millionaire Mind, and you'll be, it'll be handled forever. It'll be handled for a short time if you read the book for sure. Okay, we give you specific exercises, et cetera, et cetera. However, the only way I know, and I don't necessarily mean to be self-promoting here, but the only way I know to handle it for sure and for good is to do it on a cellular basis. And the only way I know to do it on a cellular basis is to is at a place called the, the Millionaire Mind Intensive. It's a three-day program that we run all over the world. It's world-famous. I have over a, a million people that's participated in this. And it works. It, what we do there is we actually change your money blueprint, that, that financial thermostat, 
right there, right that weekend, right on the spot. You walk in with one blueprint set for one level of success. You walk out with a brand-new blueprint set for a brand-new level of success at a much, 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 much higher level set for not only success, but even if you want to create wealth, then it's set for that too, and it's set to keep it. And the reason it's permanent is because you're there. We can work with you on a cellular basis. It's very hard on the phone right now. It goes in one ear and out the other. It's you know simply one sense that we're working with right now. But on a cellular basis, and the processes that we use using accelerated training technologies and cutting-edge brain change technologies, we actually have methodology that changes your wiring because we're all hardwired in a certain way right now, the same way as a computer is. So the software of a computer is it has a code, and it's like a wiring, and then all of a sudden, you know, that's what comes up on the screen. It's the same with you. It's very hard for you to just say, okay, I'm just going to change my mind about money. Because, you know, tomorrow you're back to where you were because uh, we're creatures right, of a habit. Right now, in about 30 seconds, how, how would I find out uh, where these seminars are? They're all over the country, basically. Go to MillionaireMind.com or, or go to your website, uh, with the Eldon Taylor one. And, uh, that, uh, dot com. and uh-huh. there's going to be, I believe, an MMI registration link. That's Millionaire Mind Intensive. What we're doing it right is. now with Eldon is we're going to, is the, the, normally the course is $1,295 per ticket. It's a three-day course. It's incredible. And it's, it's like I said, it, it, it's, you have to go there to experience it. But here's Three the reality. We're fast. going to give, give people listening to this right now complimentary seats, two tickets to everyone listening right now to the entire event complimentary if you make sure you're going through the Eldon Taylor or the Miller Mind and make sure you let us know it's the Eldon Taylor Show. Now, you can't ask for more than that. Harbecker, you have been a wonderful guest. You uh, have filled everybody's mind with a with a power that, that I'm just going to come down and say this. If you want more money, it comes from solving more problems for more people, and that is the best I have ever heard that stated by anyone, including Napoleon Hill and his Think and Grow Rich. I really appreciate you showing, being here with us today, joining us, and sharing your wisdom. We've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you out there for listening in. And do take advantage of Harv Ecker's uh, wonderful gift. And that's what it is. It's a gift. You've got no right to complain if tomorrow you have nothing and you ignore this gift. Our show next week is all about ghost voices. And I have three special guests, experts on them. Be sure to join us. That's quite a departure from today. But they claim that ghosts have something important to tell us. So be sure and tune in, and until then, as I say every week, above all else, to thine own self be true.